Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Today's episode is presented by Lloyd's Banking Group. Everyone deserves a safe place to call home. That's why Lloyd's Banking Group has championed the social housing sector for decades, supporting more than 340 housing associations across the UK. We are going to defeat the radical socialist Democrats. The president's supposed to care, to lead. You're listening to Campaign Confidential, our special podcast series on the US elections. The fact is that our country is going through a reckoning in a number of ways. We've got the global pandemic going on. We've got a recession. And let's be honest, some people never recovered from the previous Great Recession. And at the same time, there are these elements of movement that are coming to a head at once. That's Kelly Robinson, head of the Planned Parenthood Action Fund, a political action committee, or PAC for short, that raises money to help elect candidates supporting reproductive rights. I'm your host, Ryan Heath, senior editor at Politico, here to guide you through the final stages of the U.S. election with a new podcast episode each Tuesday. We can't use the old playbook, right? Anyone that's operating by the old rules is just not paying attention. Kelly's right. The old rules are out the window in this election. It's become more than a regular horse race between two candidates or two parties. Because America is in turmoil. Questioning itself to an extent not seen since 1968. In an unconventional year, nothing is guaranteed. And that includes at this week's Democratic National Convention. The Democratic National Convention kicks off on Monday. The coronavirus pandemic has made this a unconventional convention. Like presidential debates, party conventions are stadium moments in American democracy. All in favor of the motion say aye. Or at least they were. Tens of thousands of Americans and international guests should be gathering in Milwaukee, Wisconsin this week to see Joe Biden officially become his party's presidential candidate and to get energized and organized for the final stretches of the campaign. Instead, speeches, parties and meetings are being replaced by Zoom calls and homemade TV broadcasts. The delegates themselves are hacking the system, dressing up in Democrat merchandise or dressing down in yoga pants, putting on Super Bowl-style family parties, or gathering at drive-in venues to watch, socially distant, of course, on big screens. There's really not a lot of party business that's going to go on. It's all virtual. It's two hours of programming over four nights. This is Ryan Lizza, Politico's chief Washington correspondent. So it's a 100% messaging event. In the old days, the party conventions actually were... Uh, where people actually convened and decided on who the presidential and vice presidential nominee was going to be. That really hasn't been the case for many years now. Even if things aren't quite the same, there's no choice but to make it work. Failure is not an option. We don't have an alternative. So This is Mo Vella, 
a colourful character who served as Joe Biden's vice presidential director of administration. You're not going to have that that electricity in the hall, that cohesion and that fired up base that comes from when you leave the convention. Maybe for a change, instead of focusing on the balloons and the hoopla, maybe we'll be more in tune with the words that are said and the policies and the vision and the plans. Planned Parenthood's Kelly Robinson also sees an upside to an event that no longer revolves around balloon drops and VIP corporate boxes and celebrity-studded parties at art galleries, not to mention pricey meet-and-greet events between candidates and donors. More people have access to the convention than have ever had access before because everything is virtual and we can tap in. Beyond how the Democrats plan to spread their message this week, they're also internally split on what to say. It's a debate over whether to have a big vision or to be a small target. Here's Mo Veller again. The convention, I think, has to be a reminder of the stark contrast between the characteristics and the traits of who Joe Biden is and the lack of those characteristics and traits in his opponent, right? The lies of Donald Trump versus the love of Joe Biden. And here's how Michelle Obama put it during her speech on the opening night of the convention. Donald Trump is the wrong president for our country. He has had more than enough time to prove that he can do the job, but he is clearly in over his head. He cannot meet this moment. He simply cannot be who we need him to be for us. It is what it is. You're going to hear a lot of that sort of characterization during the convention because American politics is so polarized now. A lot of Democrats are less interested in promoting their own detailed vision for America than in keeping this election as a referendum on Donald Trump. For months now, Trump has been an average seven points behind in the national polls, and he's also behind in most of the swing states that will actually decide the election. The president is getting desperate to turn his campaign around, so desperate that many Democrats accuse him of deliberately trying to suppress the vote, and some worry he won't accept the result if he loses. John Kerry, the party's 2004 presidential candidate, later Secretary of State under President Barack Obama, is among those raising alarm. Well, Ryan, I'm, I'm really concerned about uh, two things, obviously. I, I remain concerned about the foreign threat, but I'm also concerned about something that uh, affected my campaign in 2004, it affected Al Gore in 2000, access to the ballot is supposed to be one of the greatest things of democracy. And here we are, having held ourselves up as the leader of the free world for a long time, and certainly of the Western world and democracies, and we're not meeting the standard that we ought to be meeting. So I'm deeply concerned about protecting the vote. The latest flashpoint is mail. The Trump campaign and the RNC are now suing Nevada after the state expanded its mail-in voting system, planning to mail ballots to all registered voters. Senate Republicans are continuing to block this critical COVID relief bill. Now Donald Trump is attacking voting by mail as he trails Joe Biden in the polls. They have all of these millions of ballots coming in from nowhere and nobody knows from where and where they're going. It'll be the greatest rigged election in history. It'll be the greatest fraud ever perpetrated. The U.S. Postal Service has been having a really tough year, and President Trump, in his usual way, has sparked a furious debate, 
by threatening to refuse the organisation the billions in extra resources it might need to ensure tens of millions of mail ballots get delivered back to officials in time for counting. And that's got Democrats tearing their hair out. How are we talking about the United States post office in a political context? It's just... Um, 2020 has nothing but, but, but new things to throw at us. While past Democrat presidents have tended to dazzle and inspire their way into the White House, think Obama, Clinton, Kennedy, this time round, the Biden campaign is all about playing safe. It's about getting the mail delivered on time. That small-target strategy has worked all year for Biden and other Senate and congressional candidates. They've let Trump twist himself in knots in what Politico's founding editor John Harris calls deprogramming the cult of the presidency. Here's Ryan Lizer again. Just staying in the basement, keeping the focus on Trump, that has worked quite well for, for Joe Biden, right? Biden has done really well in turning himself into just generic Democrat. You know, the, the person that a huge uh, spectrum of ideology is, is, is now for. But isn't there a danger in not giving people a positive reason to vote for Democrats? In not harnessing the energy of social movements and protesters? There's a danger in showcasing certain elements of your, uh, unpopular elements of your coalition at a convention. The Trump campaign is hoping that Kamala Devi Harris, Biden's recently announced vice presidential running mate, and first-term congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez will provide them that target. So far, it's not working out. Harris is the only candidate on either major party ticket with a positive net approval rating. And Trump's line of attack appears narrow. He's running with a sexist version of Kamala Harris being a radical leftist. I thought she was the meanest, uh, the, the most horrible, most disrespectful of anybody in the U.S. Senate. Meanwhile, the Trump campaign and surrogates are also suggesting Harris isn't so much an extremist as a fake disappointment, because she's not taking to the barricades like Bernie Sanders or AOC. Here's Ryan Lizer again. Whenever you see the opponent not really having a consistent take on the the candidate, that that suggests Kamala is is a tough target. Um, A lot of Democrats going into this were saying, Biden's doing so well. It would be great if he didn't even have to choose a running mate, right? The last few days since she she has been chosen, I heard a lot of those same Democrats rethink that and say, God, we forgot how kind of boring Joe Biden is and what a bad public speaker he is. It's kind of nice to have this woman on the ticket who can really make a a smart, cogent case uh, against Trump. I think the Trump team was just praying for someone uh, much, much more left-wing, someone that, that, that would really play into this argument that Biden is a tool of the radical left. And the Biden team decided not to give them that. Mo Vella was surprised by his own reaction to Harris joining the ticket, but for different reasons. It touched me in ways I wasn't expecting. As the offspring of immigrants, um, it also brought me like a sense of uh, a life lesson Uh, Because I started reflecting on the fact that Joe Biden is such a beautiful person and his ability to forgive that debate transgression, you know, that she did to him. Vela is talking about this electric moment in 2019, 
when Harris confronted Biden on the debate stage over his relationships with racist fellow senators dating back to the 1970s. I'm going to now direct this at Vice President Biden. Um, I do not believe you are a racist. And it's personal. And I was actually very, it was hurtful to hear you talk about the reputations of two United States senators who built their reputations and career on the segregation of race in this country. And it was not only that, but you also worked with them to oppose busing. And, you know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools. And she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me. Forgiveness is core to Biden's 2020 brand. He picked Kamala Harris for many reasons. She was friends with his deceased son, Beau, and because she's a contrast with Trump and Pence and even Biden himself. She's 20 years younger, the child of immigrants, a woman, mixed race, the list goes on. But in picking Harris, Biden also did something he wants voters to believe Trump can't do. He put his ego second. Whatever unfolds this week, it's going to be a letdown for Wisconsin, the swing state that Hillary Clinton ignored and lost in 2016. CNN now projects that Donald Trump will carry the state of Wisconsin. He will win Wisconsin with its 10 electoral votes. He's cracked the so-called blue wall that Hillary Clinton had tried to create. Uh, I spoke to Ben Wickler, the chair of the Wisconsin Democratic Party, about his election plans now the convention is barely in Milwaukee. He's been riding high. Democrats now hold every statewide office in Wisconsin for the first time since 1982. And they won a surprise seat on the state Supreme Court in a special April election, where most people voted by mail. After the loss in 2016, we didn't just sort of go home and hibernate for four years. We started building presidential level operations in our state parties. So now when the Biden campaign has come, they're actually integrating with full-scale campaign apparatuses that have been set up with top The Biden campaign is going to need all that because this week Team Biden is sending its love, but not the candidate, not 50,000 delegates, not wall-to-wall positive media coverage, and not an expected $200 million economic injection to Wisconsin. Instead, Joe Biden's spending the week in his home state of Delaware, a tiny blue state with just three electoral college votes. It's all part of the Democrats' effort to paint themselves as an ultra-safe contrast to Trump. It's all about people's health, and presidents are supposed to lead, and they're supposed to lead by example. While that may make sense nationally, it's a big risk for Wisconsin. But Wickler thinks he has it covered, thanks to those primary elections that happened in April. And we switched from Plan A to Plan E, the full virtual operation. And not only were we not going to knock on doors, which is traditionally our most powerful tactic, we also weren't even telling people to go vote in person. We, for the first time, we focused completely on asking people to vote absentee, to request ballots that they could fill out at home and send them in to vote by mail. So this was a big shift for us. Uh, It involved a very different approach to how we use data, because suddenly we're looking at, did you request your ballot? Did you send in your ballot? Uh, Has your ballot been received? And uh, it meant uh, training all of our activists, our local neighborhood teams, our county party units, all over the state. We held nightly webinars training all these people on how to do a very different style of organizing. But the great thing about having an election in the spring is that we got to see all of this in action. We got to work out the kinks in the system and see the result. And the result was that 
Wisconsinites voted 61% by mail for the first time. It, it had never been more than one in 10 before this. And among ballots cast by mail, our candidate won by a 10 point larger margin than ballots cast in person. So for us, this test worked. And it is now informing our, our core strategy as we go into the fall, which might explain why Trump is so panicked about trying to stop people from uh, voting absentee across the country. Absentee ballots aren't just being cast across the country. There's also a huge task organizing Americans overseas to vote. I spoke to Julia Bryan, the chair of Democrats Abroad. She's based in Prague. There are about 9 million Americans who live outside the United States, and about 6.5 million of them are eligible to vote. But in 2016, for example, only about a little bit less than a million received their ballots, and about 650,000 sent their ballots back to be counted. One of the difficulties is that the U.S. does not allow its citizens to vote from American embassies and consulates. Americans from 21 states are required to send their ballots back by mail. But the other 29 states will allow fax and sometimes email in addition to mailing it back. Sometimes I feel like we have been actually practicing for this moment for years because because we're all around the world, we have always been a very digital organization. So um, in 2016, we implemented a, a global phone banking system that we use really heavily right now. We have already made, I think, over 255,000 calls so far this year, and we're gearing up to do another 240,000 by the end of the cycle. So we are also expanding our um, help desk online uh, live calls where people can dial in and um, talk to somebody in in a Zoom breakout room and get their ballot questions answered. Ballot day is September 19th. That date, September 19th, might be the most mind-bending fact about this election. Time is elastic in 2020 for Americans. Many have been locked out of offices and schools and gyms for months on end. It's sometimes hard to remember what day of the week it is. The Democratic Convention, or what's left of it, is happening a month late. But the election itself has speeded up. There's no longer a single election day, November the 3rd, but an election season, starting September 19. Some people will be voting 10 days before the first presidential debate has even happened. So don't listen to the cliché that the election is less than three months away now. There's really just one month to go. Tune in next week as we turn to the Republican convention and head to North Carolina. It's time to cancel no, Florida. the Jacksonville, Florida component of the GOP convention. will be starting in North Carolina for the no, Monday. No, back as to North Carolina or Washington or wherever the president decides. Until then, our regular EU Confidential crew will be back on Thursday, and I'll see you next Tuesday, from somewhere. And a huge thanks to our producer, Christina Gonzalez. Bye for now. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.